want to show from this channel and be inspired or connect with the opportunities that offer a solution to your problem. PSI TV helps content creators have a TV experience, increase their visibility to a new audience, and allow them to demonstrate their authority and credibility to you. Beyond ads, biz brands can now have a channel presence with their content. We are the Netflix of biz brands. If you have a passionate message, the solution to a problem, a new book or product launch, and want to impact a new and expansive audience, have your audience say, I saw you on TV. Just to be clear, the views expressed by our guests are their own, and their appearance on this program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. With no further ado, let me introduce our guest today. She is a player in the weight management niche. Sora Vernikoff is a no-diet weight loss coach over at www.nodieting.net. For more than 20 years ago, Sora healed herself of compulsive overeating by transferring her classroom techniques as a teacher of children with behavior challenges back in East New York, Brooklyn, somehow she found a way to transfer those class management strategies into food management techniques. And then she went on to teach hundreds of other unhappy dieters. Sora's book, Eat What You Want, Stop When You Want, a no diet weight loss program became a number one Amazon bestseller when it was published. And in addition, her book became the 200, 2018 Distinguished Favorite by the New York City Big Book Award Contest. Sora teaches her no diet system both online and offline, and she's a speaker as well. Sora, thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, Trudy, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Wow. So Sora, you're a no diet weight loss coach. Those two, those words just kind of sound paradoxical to me. But before you tell me what a no diet weight loss looks like, how did you move from being a classroom teacher of children into the weight loss space? Well, trust me, um, I didn't know this was in my future, um, but I taught, as you said, in East New York, Brooklyn, really challenged kids. And it took me many years to understand how to manage them 35 at a time, but I, I just got good at it. And I had those kids in their seat, listening to me, teaching the content that was in front of me. But at the same time, Trudy, I used to diet, take off the weight, do everything perfectly, and then regain the weight. And I don't like to do things more than once. I'm the kind of person I'll put a lot of time into something. I like to do it, do it well enough and then move on. But I could never move on from the diet. No matter how much I dieted, I regained the weight. One day I looked at these 35 kids and I said, hey, Sora, how come these kids who walk, talk and do those other things, they listen to you, but food has no animate qualities. You can't stop thinking about it and you can't stop eating. I got pissed off. And, uh, and then I heard a voice inside me say, Sora, I want you to stop dieting. I want you to take off your weight without dieting, but I also want you to help other people. And there was a caveat to this, Trudy. Um, beside eating the food that I wanted, I knew that I had to journal every eating experience before, during, and after because I was really a 
obsessed with finding out why I couldn't stop thinking about food all day. I wanted to know why. So um, I did that and I took off 25 pounds and just kept off since 84. And when I reached my uh, weight loss management goals, I knew that I could transfer my classroom management techniques to food management techniques. And that's when I developed um, this easy eat and stop yourself, no diet weight loss program. So I owe it all to my kids. <laughs> I owe it all to my students. They taught me to find a place in me that I would have never otherwise found. And then I applied it to food. Wow. So, sorry, your book has many amazing reviews. I, re I researched you, okay? And your book has many amazing reviews. There was a book review on Susie's bookshelf that shared this insight. Losing weight is a mental challenge, not a physical one. But there was another review over at Midwest Book by Diane Donovan. And that review said, uh, food thought struggle. It mentioned it's food thought struggle. What is this mental struggle that contributes to a person's weight? You know, that's what nobody talks about. <laughs> that's what really cracks me up. Everybody said, oh, there's too many chemicals in the food. There's too much sugar in the food. Um, you know, and they, they make the food having the problems. The food has no problems. The food is the food. It sits on a shelf. It sits on a table. It sits in your refrigerator. It has no personality. It has no traits that say, eat me, eat me. The story is, it goes like this. And it's in my book. What I found is that a person with a, with a, who overeats just simply, and I really mean simply, thinks more about food a day than a person without a weight problem. So let me give you a visual on this. I came up with this idea that if you had a chip in your brain and you took your chip out at the end of the day and put it in your computer and printed it out and there were 35 squares, a person without a weight problem would have 21 green squares for non-food thoughts and 14 green square and 14 red squares for food thoughts. Whereas a person with a weight problem for teaching purposes has 21 red thoughts and 14 green thoughts which means that a person with a weight problem simply consciously thinks more about food a day than a person without a weight problem. So the trick is, how do you minimize the number of red thoughts, which are food that you think about each day so that you consciously have the choice to think less about food? And that's the gift that my program gives you. So it's nobody's fault. It's not the food's fault because uh, just the food is like my pen. The food is the object of the challenge, not the challenge. The challenge is the food thought, the actual thought. And because it re repeats itself, you know, piece of chocolate cake, piece of chocolate cake. Now here's your chocolate cake, piece of chocolate cake, I want it. Piece of chocolate cake, I want it. So it starts up here. But of course, culture says it starts down here because nobody but myself came up with a way to stop yourself from overthinking your food thoughts consciously. So there you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So as you talked about, you know, just what you just were sharing, you're basically talking about a strategy for handling this mental struggle. And we certainly want the audience to buy this book and learn those strategies. But would you give us a sneak peek into markers, which is referred to in your book, and the green technique. 
All right, well, Trudy, before I introduce Marcus to your audience, I'd like to tell your audience, if you don't mind, why diets don't work. Because once I show them why diets don't work, then they'll truly understand why they should embrace the green technique. Is, is that a work? Perfect, please, please. So chapter one in my book is why diets don't work. So I want everyone in the, in the audience and you, Trudy, to think about um, a clock. A diet is like a clock. You start at 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, I need to go on a diet. I'm getting married. I need to fit in my dress. I'm booking a tour. I'm booking a cruise. I want to look nice. I have a new boyfriend. I want to look nice. Or for guys, they want an interview. They want to look thinner. So it all starts with, I want to lose weight and get healthy. Okay, fine. So they think, oh, I have to go on a diet because that's what our culture pushes, you know, our, because it's a $6 billion industry. Now, there are over 150 diets. And what I like to say is if diets work, why would there be so many? It's because diets don't work. 97% of people who go on a diet regain the weight in two years. And of the 250,000 folks that have bariatric surgery, there's no guarantee. And statistics haven't shown that they can keep their weight off any better. So you pick a diet. Now, what is a diet? A diet, Trudy, is a group of rules created by an outside group of people Four people in a corporate boardroom, a psychologist, a nutritionist, a behavioral psychologist, and a marketer. And they decide what you can eat, what you can't eat, how much you can have, and when you should have what. But don't think about food, they say to you, because you can't trust yourself. You can't eat and stop. So basically, they're saying, you don't have the ability to eat and stop, so you need us. You need us. So you pick a diet. Let's go to three o'clock. I'm good, good, good. Good, good, good is I'm on a diet, I've lost a little weight, I'm following their rules, I'm a worthwhile person. So your self-worth is dependent on following these four folks who decided what you can and cannot eat when food is just an inanimate object. They're taking total control away from you. Let's go to six o'clock. You've been on a diet a day, a few days, a week, whatever is comfortable for you, and then you can't take it anymore. You say. I just want one more piece of bread. I just want one more slice of cheese. I just want three Oreo cookies. I can't take this. So what do you do? You start to, you do, actually, the good news for your listening audience is you do the only thing you can do to take back the control of the diet. You, you have what you want and then you can't stop, okay? So you binge, you diet overeat or diet binge and you can't stop you feel so much better. Well, hello, of course you feel better because you just took back the control. You had what you wanted. But the, the bottom line is you couldn't stop yourself. So then the other side of taking back the control from the diet is then you beat yourself up because then you say, oh my gosh, look what I just did. I had what I wanted, but I couldn't eat and stop. I'm worthless. I'm just, you know, I can't follow these rules. What am I going to do with myself? I want to be thinner and healthier. So what do you do? You go to nine o'clock and nine o'clock tells you, well, you know, you can't follow these rules. So you better go back to the diet. <laughs> so you go back to the diet at 12 o'clock, knowing full well, there's another diet in the back of your mind. So that's why diets don't work. Diets are based on deprivation and diets are not your rules. It's really simple and not your rules and they're based on deprivation. So of course you've been a binge and it's not your fault. It's just not your fault, but everybody thinks binging is their fault. No, binging is the good thing. Dieting is the bad thing. 
you know, the end result of binging is you put on more weight, which drives you to the diet again. Then it increases lack of self-worth because you have everything in your life in order, except you can't eat and stop. Well, of course you can't eat and stop. You're listening to other people. <laughs> mm, oh. I like what you said that um, these gurus sit in a room, they make the diet rules. And based on these rules, which the public who needs to lose weight tries to follow, they, they're successful for a little bit of time. Then they lose the ability to follow somebody else's rules because most of us are rebels at some point. And then they take back the control by doing exactly what they wanted to do. But then they beat themselves up because yes, they did take the control, but they weren't able to stop themselves so they you go fast. It. It's not just a matter of taking back control. It's a, it's a control without control. Right. That's actually a really interesting concept. Control without control. I really like that. Control without control. <laughs> that's, that's a writer downer, huh? <laughs> yeah. Control without control. I'm really impressed because. <laughs> but the thing is, there is here's the sad thing, Trudy, is that unless they do my program, there is no control. Because if you want to eat what you want, you have to have some kind of technique to allow you to stop. How can you have, how can you, it's like spending money, it's the same thing. If you don't have a marker in place, if you don't have a control in place, you're not going to stop. So in my mind also, food and money are the same because it's all about having the choice to stop yourself. So now we come to the green technique. And how do you do that? How do you not go on a diet? How do you eat the foods you want? And then how do you have the choice to stop yourself and trust yourself so that you have the choice to let your weight go eating the foods that you want and not four people in a room tell you to have? So I'd like to introduce to your audience the green technique. So here's how the green technique works. So my nemesis, the, the food that I couldn't keep out of my mouth was chocolate, okay? was a chocolate, was, and I just ate chocolate all day. So I'm gonna ask you, Trudy, we're gonna work together and then I'm gonna have your listening audience join in with us. So Trudy, if I had to say to you, what's the one food that really you wish that you could have and stop when you wanted consistently, what would you say? Well, I'm not sure that I have anything that has that kind of control over me, but um, the closest thing I'd say is salted potato chips. I, I really like salted chips. Okay. You have a, do you have a favorite brand? Um, no, uh, maybe the jalapeno. jalapeno. Oh, you like the jalapeno. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here's what we do. You have a bag of jalapeno chips in front of you. Okay, so I want the audience to do the same. I want everyone in this listening audience or viewing audience to um, think of a food that's hard for them to eat and stop. And I'm going to work with Trudy, and then I'm going to address you guys in the audience. So, Trudy, I want you to look at the bag. I want you to ask yourself two, que two questions <clears throat> before you have the potato chips. How much is enough and how much is too much? So look at the bag, Trudy, and ask yourself how much is enough and then get ready to tell me those amounts. So 
I may not be the best candidate for this. So I tell you what I do. When this is how I even buy the bag in the first place, I'll pick up the bag and I'll look at it and I'll go, to me, this is one serving. And then I flip the bag over and I see that it's really five servings at say 150 calories. And I go, oh no, this is five servings according to this bag. But if I buy this right now, I could inhale the bag, all of it, and not think twice about it. So I'm either going to come home and I immediately get Ziploc bags and I separate out the five portions. That's what I do. Or I don't buy it at all because I know potato chips are more of a challenge for me. So I either don't buy it or I buy it and I immediately separate it into five little bags. That's my only way. That's it. That's how I do it. Okay, so I'm going to teach you a new way. Okay. Okay, first of all, I applaud you. I applaud you for your methods, having not met me. Uh, I think because I would I would do the same. So um, I would parse it out. And if I didn't think I'd parse it out, I couldn't bring it in. But now I'm going to teach you another way. So let's, so just play along with me. Sure. You bring, okay, so you're doing Sora's program. Let's say you buy the bag. You're really scared. Let's, let's give it what it deserves. You're really scared that you're going to eat the whole bag. You bring the bag home. I want you to then open the bag. Let's pretend to open the bag. Now I want you to put your hand in that bag and ask yourself how much is enough. Take that amount out and put it in a bowl. All right? Now, you just decided, this is a two-step process because it's out of a bag. It's different when it's not out of a bag. But because you pick something out of a bag, I'm going to do out of the bag. You now have a handful of jalapeno potato chips in your dish. Now I want you to look at those uh, jalapenos in the dish. And I want you to ask yourself again, how much is enough and how much is too much? And then... I want you to separate, physically separate the amount that's too much from the amount that you decided was enough, even if it's a teeny part of a chip. So you need a marker. Okay, so are you saying having taken an amount out, that's not the point at which I've decided how much is enough. I've taken an amount out. Now that it's on the bowl, in the bowl, now I look at it and say, how much is too much? Okay, I'm going to take out this little bit. This is too much. I'll take this little bit out. Correct. Now you just, now that was the green technique. The green technique says to you, once, once it wasn't enough in the bowl. So the green technique says once it's in the bowl, because don't forget we had to get it out of the bath and we didn't want to pour the whole thing out. So we took a handful. Now you look at the chips and you go, how much is enough? And how much is too much? You just said to me, a few of the chips is too much. Okay. So you take out the few chips that's too much. That's called your marker. So you have two amounts in front of you, Trudy. You have the amount that's enough and you have the amount that's too much. You are now in total control because you've already decided what will satisfy you. And you've already decided what's too much, your marker. So now I want you to pretend to eat the amount that's enough, but not your marker. Now let's pretend, I want everybody in their audience 
for watching me. Sora, what has happened to the amount that I've said? It's I will get to the market. Oh, okay. So and, I eat now. The okay, amount. everyone in the, in the audience watching, I want you to eat the amount you decided was enough. Okay, Trudy just finished her trip, chips. Now she stops. Now she looks at her marker, the amount that was too much, and says, the marker says to her, you just ate and stopped yourself and I helped you. You just ate and stopped yourself and I helped you. I'm your helper. I'm your eat and stop yourself helper. Now, the marker, because what stopped you, Trudy, is that you had enough. And I decided that before. Well, all the work in my program is done before. Everything in my program is done before you put the food in your mouth. Sora, I have a, I have a friend that when we go to eat, she'll order something. And before she starts, she cuts, she, she'll tell herself she's taking some home. She'll cut the food in half and ask for a, a, a container to take away. And she separates it out right from the beginning. And I'm like, how did she do that? <laughs> okay, but that's, okay, but that's her you. Okay, she's doing what you do with your chips when you bag it. She knows that half is the good amount for her. And she instinctively needs to remove the other half to feel that she can have just the amount that's okay, right sure. for her. The removal takes away the control. is my marker her move her removal is my marker okay okay so let's but let's take it a step further let's say you say but sora i still want some more so look at your marker take some more from your marker but you must leave a new marker no marker no eat and stop that's the rule because it's like it's like let's say you go to buy a white shirt in the department store you go and you need a white shirt. You walk in and you see no white shirts, but a fabulous orange shirt. If you buy it, you're out of control. You know, let's for, the, for teaching purposes, because your marker was a white shirt. Okay. So this is what gives you the management. You see, people overeat, um, Trudy, because nothing is enough. See, watch. Potato chip thought, potato chip thought, potato chip thought, potato chip thought. Thought chip. Thought so, uh, chip. This is an interesting conversation. I had this conversation with my doctor a couple of when I've had my first child. When I had my first child, um, my doctor came to me and uh, you know, I was trying to feed my child on a schedule and I had an amount that was told was the amount. And I was struggling because the child would not eat the amount at the time. And my doctor said, Your your child knows instinctively how much is enough and then I realized at that moment and that was 30 years ago my I grew up with eat everything on your plate young lady there are children in Africa that are starving and I and I said to my doctor right then and there I realized that I was taught to just eat what was there and not eat to feeling full so the idea of feeling full just is no longer a skill set that it, your parents taught it out of you you yeah, but, don't, but, but it's generational because I grew up, it's generational. So your mother, you see, let me explain something, Trudy. Um, anyone who's, I mean, it's, it's in the book. Anyone watching this program who's a compulsive eater is also starving to death. They're starving to death. They're starving to death because nothing is enough. They're starving to death. So, not, so your mother was starving to death. 
because no matter what she ate, nothing was enough. And she didn't want out of love for her daughter to starve to death. But she couldn't say um, that I don't want to starve to death. She said the kids in Africa. But the truth is that by you finishing the food on your plate, you're buying into your mother's own self-starvation and you're really starving yourself because that's not the enough. Because you, you, it's very interesting when you start asking yourself, how much is enough? How much is too much? You will be surprised at how much less you're going to want. Because once you make your own decision about how much is enough, it's yours and yours alone, which gives you complete empowerment. So the reason people say finish the food on the plate is because they're starving and they want you not to starve. But what they're doing is they're reinforcing starvation because they're saying to you, if you don't eat the food on your plate, you're never going to have enough and you're going to starve just like the kids in Africa. And I'm here to say that once you decide how much is enough before you eat by asking two simple questions, you will never starve and you'll eat less food. Well, thankfully, I never taught that to my children. When my children push the plate away, I took it up. I never argued. So my children do not have the challenge that I grew up with. But wow, I love this green technique. I love it. I totally love it. So Sora, your book seems to be a great way for someone who is trying to do their program on their own. If they read the book, sounds like they might be able to pick up some of these tips and tricks. Yeah, we were intelligent people, but you do have a coaching program. And I, I personally believe that coaching is a good way to go. I'm a coach myself in my own field. And I really think that every coach should even have a coach because there's a level at which we need some measure of accountability, somebody to check us when we're, you know, off and just to, just to, just to have a sounding board sometimes. So if someone were to uh, go with your coaching program, what would they look, what can they look forward to working with you? Well, first we see if the person is a good fit, Trudy. Some, we've, we've, I, I, we, we decide together whether, you know, if a person still wants to diet, then they're not a good fit for me because I'm, all, I'm against dieting. I'm against deprivation. Once we work together, I will teach them, um, I have a couple of packages and I will teach them the program. So I will teach them to chew and stop and I will teach them to drink and stop. And that applies to alcohol as well. So I will teach you how to manage anything you put in your mouth that has to do with what you chew and what you drink. And then I will support you in that effort because I'm 150% for anyone who has the courage to say enough is enough. Wow. Enough is enough. Because wow. really, what you, you're just hurting yourself. Absolutely. Well, Sora, is there anything else you'd like to share? Is there something that maybe I haven't asked that maybe we should hear? Well, I'd like to share some just typical, well, they're not so typical, but I'd like to share some tips for anyone listening that does struggle with food that they can start with today beside the green technique, which is the love of my life. <laughs> so um, the first thing I'd like them to do, Trudy, um, is keep what I call a neutralized kitchen. Now, what is a neutralized kitchen? A neutralized kitchen means that you don't bring anything in the house that will get you up at three in the morning and call to you. Eat me, eat me. So bring in foods basically that you're bored with. You know, whether you're- Sora, how does that work when you have kids? Well, I, 
I would, if I had kids, which I don't, I would train, I would create my own board, uh, my own food that I would go to. I can teach that in the program. I have another technique called the red technique. Uh, and I would, which uh, folks have to buy the book to read because that's the secret sauce. And once we did, once I taught them the red technique, we would set up a special technique for the kids' food and they would never have it. Believe okay. me. All righty. So, um, oh. neutral kitchen. So, um, a neutral kitchen means that um, if you know that, like for me, bringing bagels into the house, I have them now, but I had to work into them, you know, because um, I grew up on bagels, lox and cream cheese in Brooklyn. And um, for me to bring it in the house, it just triggered so many memories of my mother's kitchen. So don't bring in 20 Hershey bars if you know you're gonna spend all night eating them. Put them in your mailbox if you want to, or buy one at a time or eat them outside the house. This is, now if you're doing my program, it's a different story because the red technique will like to keep those chocolate bars in the house. But if you're not doing the program, then, don't bring it in the house. You know, if you order Chinese, okay, so if you order Chinese food and you say, oh, I'll eat the rest tomorrow, and you know that you're gonna eat, eat the rest at 12.30 after midnight, you have two choices. You can run it under hot water, or you can put it in your disposal room in your apartment building. If you live in a house, you bring it outside and you put it in the garbage can. And people say, oh, sorry, it's about wasting food. And I say, better, better waste that way than put it on my thighs. You know, so I'm really W-A-S-T-E than W-A-I-S-T. Yay. <laughs> hey, that's a good one. Wait, I'm going to write that down. Waste versus waste. Exactly. And I'm a big, or I step on it. I put it in a bag and I step on it because no food's getting me. I've been, you know, no food's getting me. <laughs> and so then okay. we want it to go. It's better in the, that, that waste than this waste. Wow. Exactly. This is, this is hot. This is hot, Sora. This is hot. All right, what else? <laughs> I got some more. All right, the next thing I want you to do is always buy the same brand of food that you like. So for example, you can tell I come from Brooklyn, but I always buy Levy's rye. I always buy Heinz ketchup. I always buy Thomas's bagels. I always buy Philadelphia cream cheese. The reason you always want to buy the same brand of food is you want to keep the packaging the same. Because I think Martin Luther King said that boredom is the knell death of desire. And once you become bored with the visuality of the packaging, that will stop you one step more from reaching for the food. So you want your packaging to be boring, which means you keep it consistent. Anytime you bring something new in the house, it's exciting. Oh my God, there's an orange can. It's in the orange can. I think I'll eat the orange. It's what's in the orange can. So keeping... Uh, labeling boring is very important to me. It keeps you further away from actually physically taking the food. Wow, sorry. So here's the thing. I, I, I stumbled onto that without realizing that it was an actual technique you teach because I shop at the same place all the time and I do have a spending plan. So I'm very much in control of my money. And because I kind of have an, an idea of what my weekly budget is, I pretty much buy the same thing. So here's what happens. The cupboard is full and my kids are bored. Remember now, I haven't, they don't have the problem that I grew up with. So they look in the cupboard and they're like, there's nothing here to eat. I'm like, the cupboard's full, the fridge is full. What are you talking about? They're bored. Well, of course they're bored. Their boredom is your game. 
See, their boredom is your game. So. <laughs> Thank you. You see, you keep it boring for a lot of reasons. So I'm very similar in nature to you. So I always go with a list and I always buy the same things. But if I don't buy the same, if they don't have that brand, I look for the same color. I look for the same color because I must stay bored. You know, boredom for me is my best friend. The more bored I am, the happier I am. Because if I'm bored, that you know what boredom means, Trudy? Boredom gives you the option to let go. So it pushes me from project to project, from uh, from taking care of my house, from is the boredom. I'm so bored that I do it more quickly and, I, and I'm able to take the next step more quickly. I live for boredom. That's my creative juice. I work for boredom because once I'm bored with a project, I can let go and move on. I love boredom. I work. I actually live my life to be bored. Because once I'm bored, I can jump off it and move on. Wow. So, Sora, thank you so much for being my guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, I really want to encourage you to go check out Sora's book, Eat What You Want, Stop When You Want, a no diet weight loss program. You can also check more information out at www.nodieting.net. 